We are here to do episode seven of Andor, <clears throat> the announcement. And I'm obviously hosting once again. Jack did an excellent job with math last week. Loads of fun to listen to them uh, talk and things and then put a lot of <laughs> weight onto how much I know at Star Wars. They're like, oh yeah, the, the people in this part, Mike knows about that. And I was like, I've never fucking heard of them. So I had to, I had to look <laughs> it up at things uh, to be able to do that. But um, I know now, I'm not going to go into it here, but I know because I, I have the internet. Um, but I am joined with two amazing people that I don't know where I'm going to cut this in because we were nattering at the start when we both recorded. So um, I don't know where I'm going to put this in, but uh, I'm here with two individuals, one of which is someone who is quite angry sometimes, according to his name. And I'll probably keep the YouTube stuff in the start. So you probably heard him talk. Angry Andy, how are you doing, sir? And in brief, how have you been finding Andor up to before this episode starts? I am very well, and I have to say I am surprised um, how much I've enjoyed Andor so far. Um, it's been it's been really interesting in like how slow burn it is, but I I, I feel invested in not just the characters but the Imperials as well, which is mm. something that I've been really enjoying about the show. So I am enjoying it. Last week's episode was bloody fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, like a solid 45 minutes of beautiful action and a heist. Um, and then we, we get a sharp turn in this episode. Um, we, we, we delve into something a little bit different. So I do like it. I'm really enjoying it so far. It feels grounded. It feels gritty. It's very real in the way it feels, like the day-to-day livings of people under the rule of the Empire and the desperation that people are starting to go through. I do like it. It's really, it's it's doing good stuff for me. I agree completely. And what about you, Dan? What are your thoughts on this? Because you binged it. I think, uh, Andy, I I see, have, you, have you been watching it weekly like me, Andy? Yeah, I've been watching yeah. it week to week, yeah. Right, so you, obviously you binged it like you did when you spoke to us with Mandalorian. You're like, um, I haven't watched any of Mandalorian, so um, I'm just going to binge both seasons completely. <laughs> I was like, okay. I did. Yeah, I did do that. Do that. <laughs> I did. Um, uh, yes, so I, I did the same with it. I kind of wanted a little bit of like downtime for after She-Hulk. I was like... I've, I had that. That was nine episodes. I want a little bit of just something else. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought, I'd, yeah, I'll binge it. I did the first three uh, on Monday. Well, they? Like yeah, movie, they were, it, yeah, like a mini movie. I think yeah. Jack said it on our Discord, how well it works. And and yeah, and, it, and I think Andy is right. It is a slow build and it is... Um, it's it's interesting. Um, and then I did the, the four um, uh, last night. And uh, and again, that whole I'm I'm loving the the kind of three episode structure they're having. Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. like a it's like a comic book arc. So mm-hmm. like you know, every six issues you'll have an arc, and then obviously that carries on. But it's another arc. It's kind of sort of self contained, but still an ongoing story. So I'm really enjoying that, and I think it really works and it balances out. Um, and again, you get the kind of finale really worked. They've they've built up to it. Um, you know what? I really like it. I I think it's really fascinating. I'm glad it's not just another guy in a fucking jetpack uh, on Tatooine. <laughs> I'm really glad about that. Um, they said the T word in this series, yeah. have they? Oh, thank fuck. Um, no. They they do mention that they do drop a few little Easter eggs and stuff that I've noticed, and a few like references and that. And I'm like, oh, I know that place. Um, yeah. Uh, in the galaxy, long, long ago, far away as well. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm really enjoy- really enjoying it because it's a really different show, and I'm loving the subterfuge. I love the kind of um, you know the backstabbing, the the uh, allegiances changing, and all this sort of stuff. Like that that 
and Andy was talking about that episode before. Uh, that that gave me like Rogue One. I remember it, it brought me back to yeah. Rogue One, and I was like, "Fuck yes, this is the feeling I want. I want yeah, to feel 100%. this." And I was like, "Boom, boom, boom! I'm in for this. I'm here. I'm here for the rest of the show. I'm here if there's a second season, which it looks like there already is. I think mm-hmm. maybe yeah. coming." Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I'm I am absolutely down for this, and also I can't wait for these very separate characters in very you know far off places to kind of come together, mm. because a lot of this I'm I can't predict. I have no idea where where it's going to go or what what's going to happen, or you know how how this links to Andor and the the rising of the rebellion. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it's, I'm, it's strange, I'm that, it. isn't it? Strange. We we do know the eventual outcome overall with Rogue One, and then you know what happens beyond that. But but considering like this is like before, I mean they've they've, they've said like they've said, they've called it the rebellion, mm-hmm. but this is before the rebellion actually fully exists. This is before star systems come together, um, you know, to to rally against the Empire. So we are in like the proto phase. And it's really interesting that Uriah, even 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 though we know where it eventually goes to with Rogue One, we actually have no idea what's coming next. We don't know how far certain characters are going to go. Especially in this episode, we, we get a sense of what, what, what characters are willing to do and how far they're willing to go, how far they're willing to sacrifice themselves and others in order to get what they want, whether it's Mon Mothma or whether it's a Stellan Skarsgård character, who I can't, I can't remember his name. Luther Vale. I remember character names in the, in a lot of shows at the minute. Yeah, well, um, yeah, with House of Dragon. nothing against Stellan Skarsgård. He's really good. Yeah. Um, it's just something shows. It, yeah, yeah. But it, it's... The scheming, you're right, the scheming is is really great. The political sort of nuances that they're, mm. they're trying to explore, it's... I can see where some people might get a bit sort of like, oh, they're doing episode one kind of, you know, political scheming. But I think it's deeper than that. It's a lot more mm. tighter than episode one, you know, the political sort of 100%. jargon episode one. This is like individual politics mixed with greater schemes. Um, and seeing sort of like the imperial side of that politics as well, you know, in, in terms of the small, um, the small sort of like investigation unit within uh, the imperials, you know, before it becomes full-scale war. That's really interesting because you're looking at really small-scale, like you said, subterfuge, um, you know, low-level terrorism, if you like. These are like yeah, anti-terrorist. Yeah. It's like an anti-terrorist police at the moment before it becomes full-scale war. I really like that. I really like seeing that side of the Empire. Mm. And, you know, the, like I said, the proto-beginnings of the of the rebellion with all these small individual people doing huge things that changes the very nature of the galaxy. Yeah, I agree completely. It's funny because um, obviously last episode, Jack and Baff were hailing uh, the episode The Eye, and I completely agree. All the reviews online are basically stellar for it. It it was one of those episodes that I watched it because um, Megan got tired and I was like, no, I'm watching it the night it comes out. I'll watch it again with you. And after I watched it, I was like, I can't wait to rewatch this. Um, so uh, I rewatched it with her. And then she audibly aahed when the almost the aurora borealis the actual eye opened when that sort of you know it's like a meteor shower mixed with um the northern lights mixed with you know star wars and it was just so beautiful to look at in all the right ways and having the action intertwined with it and you felt like you really cared about the characters and that was one thing i was really worried about with the series i was like the problem is is that so many of them are going to die i'm not really going to care and then within what five lines of dialogue with nemec i was like i'm in 
I was like, I know he's going to die because I like him too much. This is Game of Thrones all over again. This mm. is like, this is someone yeah. I like too much who isn't Andor. Like, I like Andor's character. I don't love him, but I think he's he's an interesting character. I'm glad we're following him. But it's like, I love Nemec as soon as. And you could kind of tell everyone else did. And then when what happened to him happened to him. It, the, yeah. the crunch from last episode almost haunts me. It's like, f- I just think about it occasionally. And I was like, Oh, Nemec. Mm. And that whole scene afterwards, it was expertly done. So I agree with everything yourselves have been saying. So we'll delve into the episode. Obviously, we'll flip back and forth and stuff, but we'll vaguely, vaguely start from the start. But there's the good thing is this show is there's about five different things, as you guys kind of alluded to, going on all at once. So it's, it's we can kind of dip in now of, of whichever parts. Um, but obviously, the first part that starts, and this is the part I agree with you, Andy, that I found... I've been finding the most interesting things in this whole show for me. I love the action, obviously, with the eye stuff. It was incredible. But the the lore part of me, the Star Wars lover who wants to know everything about that stuff, all the Mon Mothma scenes and all the ISB scenes, the Imperial Security Bureau, with uh, Dedra. And um, I actually, I wrote down her surname and I've completely forgotten what it is. And I, <laughs> oh, Dedra Nero. Dedra Nero. There we go. Got it. Um, so um, she... She was not in the other episodes as much, but in this one, the seventh one, she was much more prevalent. But she still wasn't on screen for the most of any of the characters. But her her presence and her acting, along with uh, the guy who plays Partagaz, who I recognise as the Grand Maester from Game of Thrones, it, mm. with with that, it the whole the tension with it, the drama of it all. As Andy kind of said earlier, it's th- this show feels more grown up. It feels more mature. It feels more grounded. This feels, as I've described it, I think um, on every episode so far of this show. For me, it feels like this was made by HBO. It's it's a Game of Thrones feeling level kind of maturity. It, it doesn't hold your hand too much. It's not full of fan service-y, showy-offy things. Like Kenobi, I love. Yeah. I did really enjoy Kenobi, but it was almost pure fan service and added very little to the wider galaxy of storytelling. Whereas with this immediately, this is so intertwined with everything that's going on. The two stories are very opposite, but I think yeah. that the Andor is showing much more of the world whereas a lot of the other shows we've been watching especially like book of boba fett and things it was centering in on one character doing one thing that affected nothing around them and also was on a place tatooine that we've seen so many times there's not really anything left to explore so i just find all of this is so intriguing so go with um andy if you want to continue your thoughts on the uh the isb and any sort of other things you want to speak about that and also the interactions later on where she has that kind of uh back and forth uh with that guy all the sort of stuff we want to delve into with the isb just let it rip <laughs> yeah uh, well i absolutely love it i think i i lose it before i think i think all the stuff with with the empire the isb i forgot what it was called but yeah the isb and that's what i was hoping we'd see with this i, I was hoping we'd see the very inner workings of the empire um and like you said we're not we're not being showcased vader we're not being showcased the emperor i think they'd mentioned him once in this as the guy um the grand maester having you know spoken to him oh no somebody else you wolf you higher up has spoken to him hasn't he and he's basically saying you're going to do this you're going to do all this we're going to increase taxation we're going to do this across the galaxy because you lot have to make up for all the frigging losses on aldani and I was, I was, I was riveted. I was riveted by like, oh, this, this is, this is how it starts. This is how chaos unfurls across the galaxy because the, the empire are gonna start squeezing. It's like, it's like, it's like the sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, isn't it? It's like they're gonna start squeezing the taxes and really starting to bring it out of everyone to the point where they're, they're gonna be broken and they've got nothing left to do but rebel. And just those, those the intricate you know, quick fire dialogue 
you know, just getting straight to the point. This is what's happening. You're all to fault. And then going to, um, again, I've really struggled with character Dead at right. the moment, but yeah, that's it. Yeah. Mm. Go, going to her and then the other geezer who refused to give her access, mm. um, that back and forth towards the end of the episode, absolutely superb. And you, like, she's got her own plan. He's got his plan. And then the Grand Mason's like, well, I agree with you, actually. Um, your idea is superb. It's it, it's really well written. And I wouldn't have thought it would be. I thought we might just get a load of buzzwords, a load of, you know, judging by what we've already seen with, um, you know, with Book of Boba Fett and with Kenobi, I thought we'd, it'd just be buzzwords, get from one set piece to another. But no, we're, we're intricately building. I mean, there's, there's more episodes in it. I don't know how many episodes there are in this season, to be fair. I'm kind of just going week to week. I can tell and, you if you, you want know, to know, or I can keep it to myself. No, go ahead. How many are there, actually? It's, it's 12, and then there's apparently going to be 12 next season as well. So they've got the whole entire yeah. story written out and mapped. But yeah, 12 this season, 12 next season. Wow, that's good. I think that's a perfect amount for me, I think, because we're, get, we're getting, you know, a decent level of story in every episode. They're not, they're not short episodes either. They're, they're good, good, chunky episodes, 45 minutes, 50 minutes long. And we haven't had a single filler episode yet, to my mm. mind. And that's a you know, an important thing to acknowledge, I think. We are getting solid story each week. We're getting solid character building drama each week. Some characters are swapped out from one week to the next with who gets more screen time. And we had a lot of screen time from the ISB this week, you know, really sort of hammering home the repercussions of what happened in Aldani with the heist. And then we get Andor on holiday, and it's 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 brilliant. <laughs> you know, it's brilliant, the sort of the, the switching and, you know, the moving back and forth between... Um, you know who's impacted the most week to week. Obviously, other like you said, other things do happen, and, mm. and there are like four of the different stories going along alongside it. But whenever the Empire come on screen, um, regardless of which character it is, um, I am riveted. I'm absolutely riveted because the uniform. It, it's all to do with the aesthetics as well. The aesthetics mm. are perfect because the Empire, the Empire aesthetics are, are very clean, very precise. At the minute and everything else in the show is a bit rough around the edges and i'm looking forward to seeing when that possible switch kind of comes in where the empire starts getting a bit more sort of dark and you know concerned well i think when the empire's concern starts coming from as we go through maybe season two possibly season three um i'm looking forward to seeing when when the tension shifts and when the empire starts looking a bit dark and dingy because at the moment they're all they're all bright and cheerful and a nice shiny starched white uniforms aren't they and it's not gonna last and i love it then dan what have you got to say about all of that and stuff yeah i i'm i'm with andy i uh i like exactly where this is going i like that it shows both sides of the conflict um it reminds me do you remember do you remember the um revenge of the sith crawl yeah where where it was like there are heroes on both sides and i was like is that <laughs> we've got the rebels and the space nazis which you know i think was maybe maybe not so much um, but it's a bit like donald trump where he's like they're both very nice people on both sides of this this thing um no no i don't think that's the case but i do like that the they are showing it from the perspective of the imperials who you know they want this order this organized you know they're they're, they're drawing lines in systems but the rebels ignore them I like that aspect. And yeah. 
I like very, the very like old-fashioned kind of war thing, isn't it? Like nobody cares about lines drawn on a map when you're fighting. They don't, there's no lines in reality, is there? It's just something on a on a piece of paper. So of course those lines are going to be crossed. Absolutely, and you know, metaphorical ones and moral ones, and and that's what we're seeing in mm-hmm. this episode as well. It's like, you know, Mon Mothma goes to uh, um, Skarsgård and is like, is like, you did this. You've 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 you know, you've started the f- the flame. You've lit the fire. Oh, it's a great it's... scene that wasn't it? He's literally yeah. saying you're responsible for this because you wanted yeah. it, and he's yeah. he's he's basically the the blowtorch, isn't he? He went well. Yeah. I'll, I'll 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 light the match for you if you're not going to yeah. do it yourself. It's yeah. fucking great, and it's that kind he's, of it's that kind of sort of like com- combusting um, mm. element that you know. Again, I was hoping we, we'd see in this. Like, this is how the rebellion starts. It doesn't start because everyone goes, "Oh, we're going to join together because we hate the yeah. empire." No, there's got to be there's got to be acts of terrorism, and there's got to be acts of sabotage. There's got to be desperation, mm. need, ultra violence on behalf of people that don't make it to the end where all Han Solo and Leia come in and save the day and all that. There's got to be that grittiness that we saw in Rogue One where ground-based soldiers are dying en masse. You know, we have to see that and we have to see where that comes from. And Andor even has a speech in Rogue One, if I remember rightly, of all the kind of stuff he's done, all the things he he regrets doing, um, has had to do, all the dirty missions and black, black ops stuff that he's had to do to help the rebellion. Yeah, and I all, he's doing, I, all, he's doing, all he's doing at the minute is he's just trying to get away from his life. We haven't well, even I'm, seen any of that yet. Exactly. And that's what I quite like, though, because I, I, I didn't know we were coming in that kind of early. I thought we were going to kind of join him maybe as he joins the rebels or something. But it's this is way before that, like, really. And and I quite like there's a... It's almost like they're doing Han Solo without having to do Han Solo a little bit. Because he was very, he was like, I don't want to get involved with the rebellion. I'm here for the money. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna fuck off when this is all done. But obviously, he has a change of heart, and I think we're, obviously we're gonna see that as we know where his, you know, his path leads and ends. Um, we're gonna sort of see that, and I think we are seeing a little bit of that. He's slowly but surely kind of coming mm-hmm. around a little bit. The people around him are coming around to the rebellion and the idea of it, and he inadvertently starts it as well, which I quite. You know, he's yeah. he's been hired. He's done this job. But he was literally there. He's like, I'm going to hire you. I'm going to pay you. Is the diamond, whatever. Is the kyber crystal. Take your money. Take your cut. But actually, he's inadvertently started. You know, even though it was planned by Skarsgård, he's inadvertently started the beginnings yeah. of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And as a reminder to people, it is Luthan Rail. Is but all of these are new names. So whenever I watch, that's why I'm only watching House of Dragon Luthen and Andor at the moment. Because with uh, like House of Dragon as, and Rings of Power, there's so many new names. It's it's too much. So no worries about that. Um, I, I will quickly say as well in the ISB part, there was a character who spoke, and he's called Wolf Ularin, and he is actually uh, voiced by Tom Kane, who narrates the Clone Wars. And Yularen is in the Clone Wars in almost every, in, in like a huge amount of episodes. He's an admiral, I believe, in that, and he's a background extra in A New Hope. And he's one of the few, one of the the few people who survived throughout the entire Galactic Civil War up to the point of the Battle of Yavin, um, or really got to the start of the Galactic Civil War more so. And he changed with the Empire. He's a, he knows Palpatine. He's the one who said. I've spoken with Palpatine because he's been there since the days of the Republic. He was on the ships and worked alongside Anakin Skywalker yeah. and Obi-Wan a lot. 
So him, he's a lot like Tarkin, but he's like one step below Tarkin and less sort of ruthless. But he he spoke at the start, and I only noticed him because we watch stuff with subtitles on. So I, it's easier to see the character names, and that's how I remember them a lot more when I'm watching House <laughs> of Dragon or this. It's so much easier remembering people's <laughs> I have to names. Start doing that. <laughs> what I was resistant to uh, subtitles, but when it's law heavy stuff or dramas where things dialogue gets said quite quietly. I found I pick up so much more, but never comedies. You put it on comedy and it ruins everything. So <laughs> keep that in mind. You see the joke before it even gets there. Exactly. Oh. Watch a bit of Friends, you get Chandler's words out before he says it. And you're like, that's not actually that funny, is it? <laughs> but loop it back to Star Wars. Depends um, how bad the subtitles are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, funny enough, we were watching, we watched the Scream movies on Now TV. They've got all of them apart from Scream 4, which is on Netflix at the moment. Um, and Scream 3 had the worst subtitles of anything I've ever seen. Half of it just, I think they used one as automatic ones and then just never checked it. Because it just, there were times where a character was talking, it would stop halfway through a sentence. And it, you wouldn't hear the rest. You, you wouldn't see it, sorry. It would just be not be there. So it'd be like, how do we get to the... And you're like, it's a good thing I'm not impaired with hearing, isn't it? Because like, I'm hearing impaired. Oh my God, I can't even speak. <laughs> hearing impaired because I would actually legitimately have no idea what, what they've said because I've just given up with the subtitles halfway through. Um, but Adel, don't do that. Disney, Disney pay the extra, the extra subtitle money. Um, but let's talk about sort of Luthan Rail and Mon Mothma. So we'll talk about a little bit of their, um, their interaction and then it can kind of, that can go on its own little tangents. And I will quickly say a couple of things I noticed in the background. Uh, there was a Jedi Temple guard mask, which was first in the canon in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, the Grand Inquisitor um, is his sort of backstory in a way. Uh, they've appeared in the comics and other places as well. But um, yeah, it's mainly, I think they're in the, they might be in Clone Wars Series 7 as well, but they weren't in the first six series of Clone Wars. But they're in Rebels a lot and they're great. And then there's also something that was in uh, the prior appearance of uh, Luthan Rail's artifact store. And that is a Keldor mask. And that's the thing that Plo Koon wears because he is a Keldor uh, mask and eye things. So there are a couple of fun things in the background. And so with this interaction with Luthan and Mon Mothma, I mean, I live for Mon Mothma in this series. Genevieve O'Reilly, I've said it every every episode, She's incredible. She voiced Mon Mothma in all the animated stuff. She played her in Rogue One. Uh, she played her in Revenge of the Sith, but she's not in it very much, mainly in uh, deleted scenes that are well worth watching. She is really into the character. Aside yeah. from the original actress who played her in the original trilogy, she's the Mon Mothma, really, and I think that she's more than uh, showed enough that she's played so much time with that character. So um, if we start with Dan, with Luthan and Mothma, their conversation, what were your kind of thoughts of that, and is there anything else about Luthan Rail's antiquities? Um, I, I like all the little Easter eggs and stuff. I'm I'm always uh, I think I think there was the Sankara stones from India as well. You yeah. will become a true believer. <laughs> Loved it. <There's laughs> everybody, no. everybody was raving about the about the um oh, about the the holocrons, the Sith holocrons, mm-hmm. Jedi holocron. Yeah. I was I was like, no, 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 the Sankara stones, India. <laughs> 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 I love I love that film. I'm sure I'm sure we could go on a massive tangent about that. But yes, um Don't you do it, because I will talk about that film for ages. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do an Indiana Jones watch through after there's no more Star Wars stuff. We should. We should we should do a commentary, maybe. We should do a, a tel- Temple of Doom. 100%, we should. As, as a run up to uh, a run up to the fifth one before that comes out, we'll watch the four and then or maybe the three if people aren't thinking the fourth one's a real Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> we just we just ignore that one. We just ignore that one. Yeah. Um but sorry. Yes, anyway, uh, yeah, no worries. Uh, so Mon <laughs> Mon don't uh Mon Mothma, I think, is 
like like I've always I've always been like familiar with her. Obviously, she's in Jedi and stuff, and I know that she's been in deleted scenes and she's in all the other series and stuff. But I never really got what she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she's a little bit like Boba Fett. She would just kind of be there and she'd go. <laughs> Many rebels died to get these plans, <laughs> and and I'm like, right, okay, she's, you know, I guess, I guess it, that's a depressing uh, speech. Yeah, thank, who's thanks. Who's next? Thanks. Have no please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> can I see more of the fish man, please? I'm much more interested in him. Um, but again, she was. I think she's the only other woman in the galaxy at that point. So fair play <laughs> to her for at least getting, a, a, you know, another woman on screen other than Leia for you know, yeah. God knows how many years. Unless you count the the holiday special with a Wookie, with the Wookiee wife, you mean um, Andy's favorite sure Star Wars content of ah. all time? Easy, uh, <laughs> go listen to that podcast if you haven't oh. already. I'll put a link in the uh, description. <laughs> um, anyway, Mon Mothma, I think she's the most fan- like the most fascinating character in the show. I think the the kind of subtle political maneuverings and things that she's doing um and this this front that she puts on and she describes it you know it's a facade it's you know it's it's not real this mon mothma that everybody knows that is not that is not me yeah and um, she, she means it even down to her family life doesn't she yeah. which i find especially after this episode yeah i find that really really stark like because she doesn't trust her husband her daughter may not even may as well not even exist there's there's no connection there at all is there between between them the family life is the facade as well which is yeah. that's really sort of interesting that's dark that's dark like material a, like a marriage of convenience it's just there to to help her do what she needs to do and to get into the places she needs to get to and the funds and and you know sh- shifting them around and stuff um i think she's great i i, I fancy her a little bit I'll be honest. Um, I, I'm. I, I just think it's a great performance. It's a great character. Um, her voice is go- like a gorgeous voice as well to listen to. I can imagine her giving those speeches. I mean, which which she does in the previous episode at the Senate. Um, and I think she's fantastic. I think for me though, the standout scene for her was was this the scene at the party in this episode mm. yeah and, and it is a master class of actors and subtext mm. like yep. getting across ideas that you're not literally like you know andy's not a big fan of lots and lots of exposition this isn't that no like we, we all know exactly what is going on without them having to say a single thing about it really to, mm. to not for her to go hey you mate you're right you want to join the rebels? Great one. Yeah. No, you know, it's it's. it's don't tell anyone though. Don't right, tell anyone. Then. It's a secret. Oh, I should have said that bit. I said it too loud. Uh, you know, and that's and I think that's the highlight of the episode for me. It's not flashy. It's not guns going off. It's not spaceships or other worlds or anything. Mm. It's just two great actors doing exactly what they need to do and absolutely nailing it and getting the idea across to the audience. And again, like Andy and you were saying, very mature storytelling, mature writing. They are not pandering. They're not over-explaining anything. They're like, you will understand this because you're clever. You're with us on this journey. Yeah. And we're not gonna we're not gonna dumb it down for you. Wherever you're from, America, England, wherever, all over the world, this is the story and this is how we're gonna tell it. And we're confident in how we're telling it. And I think it was just 
I, I've just I watched it again because I kind of because they kind of blended in a little bit when I watched those four mm. in, in a run. So I was like, I'm going to watch that one again just to make sure I I know what it actually occurs in that. But that is, I think that's been one of my favorite scenes in the whole series, and I think that's that's worth a scene study alone for for like young actors and stuff to go right. Yeah, hundred percent. What's the subtext and how do we get that across? Yeah, because it's, it's, like you say, the masterclass in acting. It's right from the very off as well when she comes in and she's all smiling and all, mm. you know, playing the game. Because, mm. it, it, again, it's because it's all political scheming, isn't it? So they've taken cues probably from Game of Thrones, you know, with, like, how to talk whenever people are listening and the, the walls are listening, but don't let anything on. Come with me, I'll show you the real truth. And, you know, like you, you're immediately engaged with it because you're going, oh, fucking hell, they're trying to hide something here. This, this, what, what the fuck are they doing? This is great. And other people are watching... And she says throughout, she's like, you can't trust anyone here. Can't trust anyone here. None of this is real. This is all this is all fake. And even when her husband comes closer and she goes, he's one of them. Um, I was like, fucking what? You know, I mean, she didn't say that specifically, but she's like, you know, he's I think he's probably a spy. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. She's literally living on the edge. Whether she whether it's real or not, you know, whether he is, you know, a spy working for the ISB, her driver working for the ISB. It, is that all in her mind? Is that real? That's what is is really interesting about it because even at this early stage, um, before any of this becomes sort of you know goes galactic wide um, and the rebellion fully starts up, they're in this precarious position. It's almost like um, Soviet Russia kind of thing, isn't it? Where like if you say the wrong thing, you you fucking disappear. You're gone. Yeah. Um, well, if yeah, I was, was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, it's like Nazi Germany. You're you're operating under, you know, like it, France or Poland. You're operating and trying to mm. get things done while being behind and in enemy lines, and you don't know who to trust. You don't yeah. know what you can say or who you can go to or who knows what. Um, and I, I really like that, and I think this is a this is again a show much like Rogue One, where it feels like a war. It, like, yeah. it feels like a wartime uh, drama, uh, you know, and, and I, I really am enjoying it. I love the tension as well. Like almost every scene in every episode, there is some real fucking nail biting tension where you can't look away and you're like, oh, teeth, you're biting your teeth. You're hoping they get past the asteroids, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and I, I'm loving it. I think this is, uh, I think this is, just below the Mandalorian for me in terms of Star Wars Disney content because I I'm just I'm here for it I'm here for the like I said I'm here for both series uh, all the episodes I am fully invested uh, in the rise of this rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I've I've been saying to people I know around me I'm like people who don't like Star Wars can watch this show and enjoy it because as much as I love Star Wars there's a lot there's a degree of goofiness there's either the dialogue's a bit off or there's a scene that doesn't work properly or the cgi is dodgy or something's been forced in there's in most of the films there's something and in a lot of book of boba fett you had that in mandalorian not as much but where it's so episodic people go that episode's weak that episode's great that episode's weak that episode's great and it, and it, it it happened with kenobi a lot and i think that and i've said it many times but i think kenobi if that was a movie that was like i know someone's cut it together to make it into a movie um, but if that's a two 45 minute movie even a three-hour movie that would have worked so much better because you've got these slow scenes and then when there's a problem with it like a dodgy coat scene instead of it being vaguely glazed over it gets magnified and magnified and magnified and magnified and the problem is is that 
with with this show what i love about it rather is that there's no moments that pull you out of the galaxy far far away you know i love the prequels and i love um i love all star wars content for the most part really i don't love the clone wars movie but um when you're consuming most of the movies there's moments that pull you out there's moments like rise of skywalker i've got hundreds of issues with that film but there's a bit you know where poe goes i'll somehow palpatine's returned and you're like so no one you're just not going to explain it at all in this film and you're literally saying to us you're just not going to explain it to anyone in this film and it's just there's so many elements of so much star wars which just lose us as for a moment but when you're in a fantasy show just a moment is all it takes to kind of ruin it a bit and that's what happened with the end of game of thrones and that's what happens which isn't happening with house of dragon it's that when you're in it because everyone is doing such a great job the music the acting the story everything's well thought out it all feels like you're in this and it's locked and as dan said there's so much tension you can feel it in every scene and it feels like this thing is just bubbling over and you can sense it and everyone's kind of feeling it but it's that unspoken thing which links in with what mon mothma was saying in that conversation so it just marries together so well yeah it's because the world feels real it feels lived in because we're seeing ground level we're seeing mm. even ground level coruscant um but that security that security guard, that dishonored security guard, is living with gone back living with his with his mum. Mm. You know, we're we're seeing the mundane, low level life of all of these characters. Even Mom Mothma, even though she, we're seeing her home life, um, we're seeing Stellan Skarsgård character. You know, hiding himself in plain sight with the wig and the you know, the way he dresses. And when we first saw him, it's completely opposite. It. To why you know he looks a bit more disheveled, his hair's kind of all over the place. Um, so we're seeing like the the very grounded reality of living under the Empire. Um, and that's something we don't really get in Star Wars. We see the grandiosity, we see the the explosiveness, we see, you know, the fun, the fun stuff. Um, which I think is why Rogue One has resonated so much with me and continues to do so um purely because it is gritty it's but even in that film you have grandiosity you know the music is quite flamboyant in places in this it's different it feels more like blade runner than anything else you know blade runner 2049 or something oh, like that what a it feels film. it feels it feels really it feels really gritty and yet you know depressing in places but it's playing it's showing us the reality of their situation before we get to the grand moments the battle of endor the battle of hoff and things like that we're, we're seeing the, the nasty side of it um you know just the stormtroopers on every corner people looking over their shoulders even when they're just going down corridors and things like that there's imperial officers there oh god be careful what you're doing you're seeing people actively you know looking around and keeping their head down and it's 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 interesting we're seeing like you know 70s 80s sci-fi when it was all dystopian this is a dystopian world that these people are living in that andor is living in um you know, Mon Mothma's living in, it's a dystopian reality. And then we're seeing them on different levels of that dystopian chart. Mon Mothma's right up there trying to, trying to get through it, trying to do what she wants to do, what she can do. But at the same time, she's got to put on this face that doesn't exist. It's, it's fascinating. And that's what's gripping me more than anything. It's the fascination, the fascinating parts of this, this grim world because it does feel so well lived in and people are dying in the episodes. You know, we're not getting this, oh, everyone's okay come the end of it. No, we've, we've lost half the cast already from, from what we started off with. They're already gone. 
they all died in Aldani. <laughs> and I didn't I thought most of them would get out of that, but no, fucking hell. It's only Cassian and that girl. There's another girl that got out of it as well, didn't she? But yeah, we didn't she's... see anything of her really in this episode, did we? So No, she got on a speed speeder bike, didn't she? And just yeah. dr- drove around a bit. I kind there's of gonna be more coming from that because that yeah, you know, we saw that one scene with the bloody star destroyer. And it's the fear. So when she's when she's getting away and she looks up and sees that Star Destroyer flying overhead, you instantly go, oh, shit. I know I did. I, I yeah. vocalised went, oh, shit. <clears throat> and that's what you should have. That's the feeling you should get with the Empire. You know, we're so used to them. We know they get defeated. But at this point, they're terrifying. They're massive. There's no stopping them. So any any moment of looking going, oh, crap. You know, we, we should feel that as well through the characters. And we are doing because they are terrified at every turn. This is this is what I've been wanting from a Star Wars show, like like we were expecting Boba Fett to be so different from the Mandalorian to do something yeah. so different, because otherwise it's just another guy in Mandalorian armor with another jetpack, you know, shooting people. You know, this is the kind of stuff I want to see: taking risks, doing new stories, going to new time periods in Star Wars new characters, new locations, new situations. All of this is exactly what I've wanted um, for a very long time. Um, you know, well, since I watched The Mandalorian anyway. Um, but I I am absolutely here for it. And I, you know, I hope that, I know they're doing a lot more kind of like they're doing the animated kind of prequel stuff. I know they're doing another what if thing. Um but yeah, just just do more of that. Take risks, take chances. Do your werewolf by night. You know, d- mm-hmm. just don't don't stick to, you know, you know. Yeah, it might fall on its ass, but at least you tried. At least you gave it a go. You didn't just go, oh well, just guess we'll do a Boba Fett show because Mandalorian works, uh, but we won't make it that different anyway. You know, so that that's what I want, and so I'm absolutely here for Andor, and this is how you do a prequel. This is how you, you know, if you want to call it a prequel, whatever it is, it is, you're still within that world. It's, it feels the same. It's got the the same, like Andy was saying, the aesthetics, the, the you know, the rough, gritty feeling, that downtrodden, that, you know, that, you know, risky, you know, like anybody could die at any moment and they do. You know, that's that's exciting to me. You meet a character and they're dead. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, or, you know, one stays alive. Oh, great. But I am I'm I love that I can't predict anything or expect anything from this show because I have I have no idea and that's the quality of the performances the writing the world building you name it I I'm I'm very very happy to be on the Andor train the Andor Express yeah <laughs> it, it's funny because it's a kind of show that due to the name and its nature on the surface is one of the least marketable ones because it's there's no name attached to it that everyone... Like, no one watched Rogue One and went, Andor was a standout character. Because they all were standout in their own way. So it was an ensemble. So you think of Rogue One as Jyn Erso's story with an ensemble. You know, that's generally how it goes. And when so when they announced Andor, it was like, oh, I guess they're doing an Andor show. But because they already did Star Wars Rebels, they, they really could have called it, you know, Early Rebellion or something like that. But that doesn't really feel right because it is following Andor. So... It was one of those things that I was sceptical before going in. Obviously, I was going to give it a go. But it's as yourself said, like, the Empire is actually really scary in this. And I think the reason that it works so well, like when a TIE fighter comes down, you're in fear. Like you would be if you're in an occupied city and there's a tank going through. 
or a car with a chain gun on the back yeah. or a helicopter overhead. That's how you would feel in real life. <clears throat> but in the Star Wars movies, yeah. because we mainly follow Force users, which are really cool, by the way. I love lightsabers and, you know, uh, space magic. But because we follow them, when there's a TIE fighter flying towards the main character, you go, Ray, do a backflip and slice it open. You go, Vader, crush it with your hand. You go, Luke, deflect the yeah. laser that's being shot out of it. And then you go, oh, well, they're going to fly away. Well, they've got, you know, the Millennium Falcon, the most indestructible ship in all of Star Wars that has about a billion guns, infinite deflector shields. Yeah, the hyperspace doesn't work at inconvenient times, but it's basically indestructible and always in vague disrepair. But it's a ship yeah. that lives through it. In this there isn't that there's no safety net there's no apart from andor and obviously what we know about mothma none of the characters have got this weight behind them they're not jedi or none of this stuff there's actual stakes that's one of the big things that's the hardest thing to get right with yeah. a prequel series and that's one of the hardest things about star wars because they're so so much of their content is so built on nostalgia or other content which i appreciate in a lot of ways you lose certain stakes. And that was an issue I had with the Clone Wars to a degree. But whereas in Star Wars Rebels, whole new host of characters, you didn't know what was going to happen. And stuff happens and you feel it. Yeah. That's the difference. Whereas with Kenobi, thought Kenobi was great. But you know immediately, well, Leia's not going to die. You know that Vader's, nothing major's going to happen to him. You know Kenobi's going to survive. Yeah. So it's like, well, immediately off the bat, you've got the three main characters. You know they're all going to be basically fine. So all the stakes yeah. are taken away. So you have to just grab, grip with the moments. Whereas with this show, it's like, I can't choose a single moment. There's a couple of scenes that stand out a bit, but every minute I am enthralled in it. Yeah. Just going back to what you said about the TIE fighters, um, it is, it's very much taken from sort of like World War II, mm. you know, classic World War II uh, films. And I'd, I'd even sort of say like Dunkirk as well. I don't like that film, but... The, uh, the dive bombers in Dunkirk, that screeching noise as they're coming in, just rains terror on troops because they can't go anywhere because they're stuck mm. on the beach of Dunkirk. So when those those dive bombers are coming in, Struka dive bombers, that's the sense that I got when we saw the first TIE fighter come over the hills in one of the earlier episodes when everybody goes, get down to the TIE fighter. Usually everyone just goes, oh, shoot it out of the sky, no problem. In this, they <laughs> literally shit themselves and try and hide. And I was like, fucking hell. And then when it flies overhead, the noise was ridiculous it's like they amped up the effect of the tie fighter by about by about 10 because it was loud piercing and you th you got to think right okay if you're if you're on a ground war or you're trying to do something sub you know some subterfuge or you know infiltration and the tie fighter flies over of course it's going to be piercing of course it's going to be loud and likewise you know any tanks um, it's one thing that got Rogue One got really right. So like the the tank warfare, the ATSTs, and that when that when the ATST shows up in in Jeddah and it wipes everybody out and they all flee, and then when the ATATs come uh, in uh, on Scarif and everyone shits themselves and runs, but see seeing it from the ground level up is you know is exactly what you get in a World War Two drama like Band of Brothers and things like that. That is where the tension's coming in. So when when they come away. Um, from the political side of it, they've got this already. They've got this this fundamental thing in place of going. When we do do battles and we do have war, we're going to show you how miserable that is and how painful it is. Not just in terms of fighting and whatever, but the cerebral side of it, having to deal with the shell shock, being attacked by dive bombers and uh, ATSTs and whatever. That, that 
that's where they, they're nailing it at the minute. I think just in terms of like the, the other sort of little bits and pieces of showing, well, you know, the rebellion's got a long way to go before they even get X-Wings because the TIE fighters are relentless, noisy, horrible moths of despair that are just going <laughs> to wipe you all out. Wonderful stuff. And I think the nail, the nailing it, not just in the writing, but in the way they approach that side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, do you have anything to add before I was going to go on to Cassian uh, returning home? But is there anything on what we've just spoken about before I take a segue? Um, I like my Mothma's car. Oh, the limo. It is a nice car. It is <laughs> a nice car. It's a car. It's definitely a car. There's no way you could have, you could not call that a car because it looks exactly <laughs> like a fucking car. It's like it's like a blue version of um, the Batman animated series Batmobile almost. Mm. It's got the grill on the front and it's definitely long. a Star Wars Bentley, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, it didn't take me out of the show. I don't know about you guys, I, but I kind of like it. I kind of like the because obviously she's she's a high ranking political um, you know party leader member mm. whatever. Um, and she, you know, she drives around. Yeah, she has to show who she yeah. is and to keep up that facade that we've talked about. And I think that car does it kind of brilliantly as well. I think it's a good kind of again, it's that that shell she's put around herself yeah. of this, you know, pomposity. It's the uh, balance in the scales, isn't it? And Andor's wearing dirty clothes. Mumbafa's driving around in space Bentleys. <laughs> we 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 have to see it. We have to, we have to see it. We have to see both sides of it. It doesn't take me out of it at all. No. In fact, it adds to it. it. Adds to the mm. you know when she's saying this isn't real. None of this is me. It adds to that. It adds mm. to that flavor of a character. Like she yeah. she spent a fortune on this stuff that she doesn't even believe in because it's the only way she can keep herself safe so that she can do what she can. It's it's compelling. It's great, mm, really. I, I do, I do think that maybe, like, this is my only kind of prediction I can kind of, you know, sh- like present. I think that maybe her husband might be a rebel too, but she doesn't know it. Hmm. And then I think, I think what's going to happen because obviously there's this tension, and I think he believes that she is getting deep in with the kind of the the empire. And he's that's why there's the that tension there. And he's like, Oh, you're so boring, you're so square, you know, and all this. <laughs> I think what's gonna happen is he's gonna discover or she's gonna discover each other is a is a rebel. And it might it it, it might be it might be nice because it might rekindle their romance. So that, I'd like to see a little bit of just a little, you know, a slip of, of happiness or a little win for uh, for the character. So I don't know if <laughs> But I, I also see it going the other way as well, where he's like, yeah, I am with the Empire and you're a rebel scumbag. Um, so... I'm Darth Vader. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no, the cannon. What have we done to the cannon? No. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I, yeah, just, it's just that really. Um, I just, I like the car. I like the mm. car. It's it's cool. I like the, I like the antique shop. I like all the little bits. I love his kind of, if his camp kind of arty, uh, alter ego, um, Stellan Scars, oh, Mr. Rail, sorry, Mr. Rail, or uh, I was gonna call uh, him Stellan, Stellan, <laughs> Stellan Rail. <laughs> um, uh, I love that kind of the persona he's having. Uh, I like the, I like his, um, uh, the female uh, partner in the in the shop. I don't know her name either. I don't know any of the names, um, but she's really cool. <laughs> Claire, Claire, of course, of course, uh, much like Doctor Strange's. Yeah, Doctor Strange is a partner as well. Um, but yes, no, um, yeah, go ahead. You can you carry on. It's your podcast. I don't know why I'm kind of taking it over, but you you, you take it over. Do, I'm asking. 
the thing is, I you do, I, you do what you want to do, Mike. I'm just here. <laughs> I'm just here when you wouldn't. Yeah. Be quiet. I'm going to tell you that you could do what you want to do. No, it's it's fine. It's fine. Um, in all honesty, it's one of those things where, especially when I was hosting like every episode, I was like, mm. I was finding myself, especially when I was editing it or just skimming through and removing silences. I was like, okay, I'm talking quite a lot. Although it is my show, I'm repeating the same things quite a lot. So I want to let people talk. And where we, me and Jack are doing like rotating stuff, it's not like a guest comes on lots and lots of times. I think one or two of you may be on next week or a future one with Jack anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah. You know, a lot of the guests is kind of like the singular or because I'm doing every other week. I'm just trying to try to take a little bit of a back step. Um, but with that, I, I will just add one more thing. You are, you are talking to somebody whose podcast is, you know, prepare for prattle. I know. So I don't know don't worry. I, I think I think you're doing fine. I think you're doing great. <laughs> I have no doubt. I'm doing great. I'm doing amazing. You're amazing. Doing great. That's what we I'm call here. Show. I'm here for you. I'm here to support <laughs> you in any way you need. Um, uh, but yeah, I want to get my Motham's car. That's that's my point. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I was going to say with uh, Mon Mothma, I find that the show is all about opposites and the antithesis of each other. And it's trying to show how the rebellion kind of pulled its way out to the Empire, but also how some of its core parts are still connected intrinsically to what's going on. And obviously, in this way, because the Empire is the majority of the rebellion hasn't been born, all the rebellious acts seem like terrorism, as the Empire calls it. And that is apt in a lot of ways, because that's how insurgency and rebellion starts. It starts as the small terrorists and it becomes the real government in an, in an ideal world let's not talk about real world politics in that regard it gets too mucky um but you've got mon mothma and you've got her opposite who's also so it's a similar. bit of a shit show at the moment to be honest yeah. i don't want to delve into that don't want to delve into that in any way um but with <laughs> mon mothma and um dedra like they are both incredibly intelligent powerful people who are being basically overlooked and underestimated by everyone around them and they're both so far ahead of everyone, but they're both on opposite sides. And you get to see how these incredibly clever individuals navigate through the endless bureaucracy, the what you can and can't do. You can't just pull out a blaster and shoot people and then you've solved the problem. You say a wrong word at a wrong time, you're gone. Everything has to be so careful. And both of them are doing it in very different ways. And I love seeing them both. Those two are my my standout characters. You know, all the other, everyone in this has not been a weak character. But those two are just, every time they're both on screen, I, I want more, to be honest. And I won't say what's coming, but if anyone has seen Star Wars Rebels, there's a specific episode and you know that something's going to happen. Something specific. And... Uh, I encourage everyone to watch Star Wars Rebels, Dan, um, because Star Wars Rebels is probably the best piece of Star Wars content that exists outside the original trilogy. I'd say Clone Wars is, a lot of people say it's equal, but Clone Wars is very uh, up and down with stuff, but I think Rebels is quite consistent. But without me talking about Rebels, I always try and get it in at least one episode. If one person watches Rebels <laughs> because of this show, I'll be happy, and I'm hoping a lot of people will. But Cassian, obviously the show's about him, kind of. He goes back home, and uh, just to say to Jack and Math, ha ha ha, you guys are wrong, even though, you know, you'd have no way of knowing because Dan says it's impossible to predict. They didn't think he was going to go back or we were going to see any of those characters again. Ooh, stings. I'm, I'm obviously joking, just pulling their legs because not here to defend themselves. But what did you guys think of uh, Bix and Marva? Um, obviously, Marva being the sort of mother figure of um, and or the adoptive mother. Andy, what did you think of Cassian's return and seeing uh, Bix and Marva? It was sad, wasn't it? A bit sad. Mm. He's come back to rescue them. And yeah, she doesn't want to be rescued because she's intrinsically locked where she is. Um, 
she fundamentally believes that her place is there and that she can do some good where she is. And it's sad, I think, because clearly she, apart from the other girl, um, she's the only reason why she comes back. He comes back. He comes back specific, specifically for for his his mother. I mean, we, we know it's not his mother, but, you know... And you can you can see you can see the the the, the tears in his eyes, can't you? You know the the whole realization that he's never going to see her again mm. if he does leave. And I think that'll be it. I think we'll probably see her again as the audience, but he won't. And I think that will have a greater impact on sort of where he goes. Um, and it could be like the catalyst for the the rest of what he does as a character going forward. You know that whole sort of not sort of carefree, but you know guns blazing kind of attitude where he's you know he, he will just do anything and you know not really care about the outcome for himself you know because we, we we there's that it's not bloodthirsty in rogue one but it's that sort of like do or die nature mm-hmm. um we saw it for the aldani heist but it wasn't necessarily like I, if i die here then who cares it was a case of i, I need this money i want to get this money so i can get out so i can get my family and go somewhere quiet. And that's all he wants to do. And that's a very sort of like classic Western sort of ideology as well, isn't it? You know, the old West kind of thing of like, you know, get that big score and then we'll go settle out West somewhere quiet where no one will ever find us. But he's still living in a bit of dreamland and she sees the fundamental reality of the situation that there is no hiding. And I think by the end of this episode, I think Andor realizes that himself, doesn't he? He realizes that, oh yeah, <laughs> wherever you go, the Empire are going to be there, and there's no escaping it. Um, yeah, it was a little bit. I, I was surprised that he went back. To be fair, but I think in terms of, like I said, that that character building, you know, the the final journey, um, you know, the sort of pushes him on. We did need to go back. We did need to see everybody basically telling him you shouldn't have come back. Why have you come back? Why yeah. why have you done this? Everyone blames you for what's happened. Um, which is a bit harsh. It was that it was that dickhead who decided to you know ignore his boss and go and you know try and find this mm. person that was causing chaos. It's his fault. But obviously, when civilians die, it becomes you know Robin Hood's fault, doesn't it? So yeah. It's sad, really sad. But again, another example of really great writing, really great, you know, mm. driven emotion, you know, purely from a script perspective. Mm. You know, it was very tight, very compact, um, really heartfelt, moving scenes. Mm. It, it, they're able to balance a lot of different emotions and a lot of different things in the, in this show. And I'm surprised, like... I'm not surprised. It's 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 welcomed that they're able to do that, you know. And I'm just a bit sort of like, um, why can't you do this sooner in other shows? You know, give us those heartfelt <laughs> moments better in in other films. Like, where 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 was this level of writing and complexity and character building, um, in you know the sequel trilogy? Where was this level of complexity in in the Han Solo film? You know, I'll tell you where. It was because Disney were trying to make their money back from buying Star Wars so yeah. quickly. They're like, we need to make the money back quick. Sequel trilogy, it's throwing a solo movie. Let's just put Rogue One together, throw that in. And then Rogue One was like a massive hit. And then 
quietly in the background they were like well let's let's try and foster this you know tony gilroy and diego luna because he's diego luna is listed as an executive producer at least on this episode yeah. so i presume for most of the series and you can see in interviews he's so passionate because he was like the biggest shame about rogue one was such a cool character and a world and basically a vibe we created within star wars and we didn't get to explore it and yeah. it's a new angle in a way and so because diego luna and tony gilroy wanted to do it and because tony gilroy doesn't love the star wars universe as much as other content creators like dave filoni and john favreau do mm. he puts a great story together and then with help from the story department attaches in canon character names and events two good yeah. stories yeah. put together mm. whereas what dave filoni does as much as i love a lot of what dave filoni does a lot of the time it's like oh the fans love this character let's pop him in and it's like okay but if it doesn't make sense or it's worthless yeah. you've actually weakened the character and things like that and that's kind of what book of bet felt book yeah. of boba fett felt like it was like well, let's just do this thing and it it felt it felt like they didn't actually have something written for him they were kind of writing as they went almost and it, mm. that's the problem yeah. with it and it, when your writing is iffy like with the prequels had it, it scales up and it becomes harder and harder to course correct bad writing or weaker mm. writing whereas of andor because no one was you know no one's been desperately asking for more andor more rogue one because everyone's like we can't it's, it's over so they could quietly create this they spent a few years doing it i think it's been in production pretty soon after rogue one's success so it's been years quietly yeah. in the background they've had and diego luna said this is one of the biggest things they've done to scale they've shot on location all across the world so it shows that because of Rogue One was so successful and made so much money, I'm hoping what Disney kind of thought is, right, let's put the money we kind of made into Andor. Let's give this show lots of budget. Let's not make a fuss about it. Let's not tell mm. loads of people about it. <clears throat> Quietly let the creators, like what they did kind of a Rogue One. I know Rogue One had some trouble in the uh, behind the scenes stuff making it yeah. and whatnot. But eventually Rogue One with Tony Gilroy made something amazing. And so they're like, right, now if you try this again, but without any complications, without a true time limit, they probably said about five years, but they were like, you don't have to make it for next year. It's not Rise of Skywalker. It's like, oh, we're still writing the script when we're filming the earlier scenes, which is what Daisy Ridley said in an interview recently. And it's like... Yeah. There's no denying it when your lead actress oh. comes out and goes, well, I only found out I was doing this on the day we were filming. Really? Yeah. Fucking hell. Exactly. You need the plan. I remember, I remember when J.J. Abrams came out and he was like, oh, yeah... I should have probably thought about more than that first one. Oh. And I was like, fucking hell, mate. Nothing infuriated more than hearing that fucking statement. I was like, you, you fucking what? You, you, you what? Even, what? Even just even just a fucking rough outline. Fuck me. Like anything. Yeah. Nope. But that's the thing with it, with this show. You can tell it's been written from the inside out rather than the outside in. Mm. Like, like you said, Mike. Like, they're, they're not looking at random characters not looking at you know cameos or anything they've got easter eggs but easter eggs are you know just yeah. bits and pieces on the shelf you know yeah. like my collectibles you know you know a light a lightsaber here you know the mat the mask of um, star killer there uh, mm -hmm. you know the mask of you know, uh, temple guard you know it's not in it's not inflicting upon the story it's not weaseling its way in to mm -hmm. send you on a different different direction it's just a thing where you go oh that's interesting cool uh but now listen back to the political scheming. You know, it's 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 icing on the cake, yeah. you know, and it's not too much icing that you go, oh, that's a bit sickly. Mm -hmm. It's it's the perfect amount of extra to you know to to quench those those taste buds of what we're already getting, which is mm -hmm. solid writing and and really great storytelling at a minute, coupled with some 
you know, quality performances all round. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm glad that they they were given the time and the patience and for once Disney has you know given the creatives the leeway to do what they wanted rather than coming in at the final hour and going no change all that cut that you're fired as a director we're going to get fucking what's his face in to finish it off and then you get a jumbled mess at the end this feels like what it should have been all along like somebody's come in with an idea and gone let me let me do this and they've gone okay no problem come to us when you want to do something and rather than using that that all round screen technology it looks really great that they're using actual real places and you know tarting them up for their own purposes but it looks great because it does feel lived in like i said before it feels like a real environment there's nothing wrong with that all-round screen technology i think it does work a lot of the times you know we do when you want to create somewhere that doesn't exist like aldani or um you know in mandalorian where they go to the spider planet you know it looks great when you want to create something like that but when you when, when you want to do solid based drama you need to have real sets that exist in real time populated by real people even if they don't feature in the show you know because it's a real place that there are people probably sat up in the rafters watching going oh the film in star wars down there that's great you get you get that real sort of vibrant feeling because you know it's a real place and it's working for it and it only only assists the actors with getting into character and feeling the environment, the mise en scene, and everything. You, you know, yeah. You know, Ewan McGregor said he's fucking struggled during the first like his prequel trilogy. Mm. Like it's just fucking blue on blue and green <laughs> on green. It's nothing, and you have to create. It, it, and and they'd be like, oh, we don't know what it's going to look like yet. Oh, okay. So I'll just <laughs> fucking imagine this thing, yeah. this giant iguana. How, how, I'd love, to, I'd love to be in it just to like sort of like hear how it was described to them. Like you're on the bridge of a starship. There's loads of droids around you. Um, you know your cues for fighting. All right. Um, off we go then. I mean, that's <laughs> not great. I mean, obviously, with the all-round screen technology for Mandalorian and Boba Fett and whatever, they've alleviated some of that because you can you can see in real time your environment. But when you touch the wall and it's actually, you know, a living, it's it's a real wall, a real set, you know, in bloody some subway um, down in London because they they film stuff in London, haven't they? All over the place, I think. London, Scotland, and the dam in it. I yeah. just want to sorry quickly say that I remember Jack and Maff talking yeah, about the dam. The, the dam. Episode. It's real. It's a real dam in Scotland. So they actually that whole thing is so real. But sorry, Dan, I think you were. Um, no, yeah, no, I was, was going to say the the dam. Yeah, the dam is a real place, and that that in that in that infuses you know the actors that infuses you know, your your sense of where you are in the world, you know, they're infiltrating a real place. It's a real place. They're climbing over railings to get into a building. It's real. I, I also, I always appreciate practical effects mm-hmm. and, and sets. I just always have, because there's an artistry to it. You know, you've made it, it looks real. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it can, it can, you can, it pulls you in, it draws you in, like Andy was saying to this world this lived in universe and that's what you want you want to feel like it's it's real you know like truckers in space and and shit like that you want to feel that it is real and believable it's not just you know space wizards flying around doing crazy mad flips and shit (laughs) you know you you want to feel you know connected and i think i think what you were saying mike was was really was really interesting because it it says to me that 
the writing is so strong, the performances are so strong. If this was not a Star Wars product, this show would still work. Yes. You could yeah, like like I, we I said, agree. like we said, we could set it in World War Two. We could set it in um, you know, whatever, the Cold War, you know, whatever conflict you want to talk about, whatever bloody fascist regime you want to talk about, communist regime or something the show would still work. The characters would still work. Knowing about Rogue One or not, knowing about where it's going to go, this show on its own would work regardless. And I think that just goes to show, again, the amount of time, effort, and again, this this director, these creators, they've gone, right, like we said, will create that story, but it just happens to be in the Star Wars universe. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so we'll start to wrap up here because um, we're over the hour mark. So there's only there's one more thing just to mention, and then we will wrap up. And that is just the final scene. So we we've we've kind of lightly spoken about it, but it's basically when Andor's on holiday, he's either got a new girlfriend or <laughs> on, has, on holiday, or, or has paid a woman for it's play. It's probably a pleasure resort, isn't it? It's like a five star hotel, but you can see the yeah. what I get is either she's a very nice, probably expensive girlfriend, or more likely he's paying for sex. It's once again a Star Wars brothel in a sense which we saw in I think the first episode of Andor and obviously he's hiding his money and stuff and he goes down to the shop and this is so this is social commentary in, in such a good way this is very 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 clearly doing a thing on it could work in war it could work in 2020 with or 2021 with the Black Lives Matter movement it could work you put insert political prejudice or dictatorship here and the whole bit in Andor you tweak a few things in post and it could work for literally anything. And that is, yeah. it's so powerful. So Dan, uh, please tell us, what do you think of that scene and any other thoughts of that or that we haven't tackled as far? Um, it's a very, I got, the way it was shot, I got a real kind of flashback to Shaun of the Dead. Oh yeah. When he's walking down the street, he's he's going to the the corner shop. He's going to pick <laughs> up everything. We see it. I know what you mean. Yeah, we see that. We see him go normally. What is every day like? And then obviously the following day, it's the <laughs> zombie apocalypse, and we see all the differences and stuff. But as he's going, it's like okay, it, it looks like a holiday resort. It does look like a you know beachfront property. You know, it could be it's Benidorm, isn't it? It's just Benidorm. <laughs> that's that's what I saw when I watched. Ooh, yeah. it. I was like, I was like, it is Benidorm. It's a little bit mm, and a little bit. Mm. But it's it's a holiday, um, <laughs> and uh, and we 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 follow him, and he's walking down, and they play some music. I'm sure there's some there's there's, there's some music in the background, isn't there's there? Some sort of music, and I'm like, oh, this isn't good. And then we see someone run past, and it's again we we're we're holding on Luna's face, and he's just kind of walking, and he's got this weird garb on. <laughs> Um, this kind of holiday garb, if you will. It's that's probably it's like Hawaii, a version of a Hawaiian shirt, I guess. Um, <laughs> Star Wars a Hawaiian shirt. And and then there's people running, and then there's there's noise, there's there's kind of kerfuffle. And we he he kind of starts worrying because there's a guy running, so he thinks, shit, maybe they'll recognize me from all these wanted posters and things that have been about. I, you know, I might shave, but I'm still recognizable. And then this soldier, this trooper stops him and says, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm not doing anything. And then again, we have this like, oh, well, you're part of it, aren't you? That's why you look like you're running. He's like, I'm not running. I'm literally stood here, here with you. I'm not going anywhere. And he's like, why don't you run after that guy? And he's like, no, 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 we'll get him. But you, you're staying here. But I, uh, the music became a bit too powerful. So I, I missed a couple of bits of dialogue 
and it's something about a watch and he's he's getting strangled the k2so type robot comes along and starts trying to strangle him but i couldn't i couldn't work out what the because he said oh he meant this he meant the watch he meant oh, it, this like, it, it was um he said you hang here so you you right. just hang hang here and then so k2s or the k2so sort of thing was yeah. like oh hang him got it Got and it, the, yeah. the clever also thing where obviously K2SO, an Imperial security droid, eventually we know he connects. And there's rumors I've heard, or not rumors, there's theories. These aren't spoilers, I promise you, Tonya, no, no. if you're listening. Um, there's a theory I've heard, which is he's going to BMO, uh, B2 uh, Emo. He should be called B3 Emo, so he should be B3 Emo. I don't know. But um, B2 Emo, there's a th- theory that his droid's going to get destroyed and he's going to transfer that consciousness into k2so and it's into a destroyed imperial security droid and they're going to kind of merge and i was like that's that's a really cool idea they already did a comic on it which was not great and if they retcon that comic i'm fine it was a one-off special kind of promotional thing i mean if i think b2 emo should have had that kind of that haircut with the fringe just Just, mcguire spider-man yeah Yeah. just over one eye i think that would have made it that would have really made it for me um (laughs) But yeah, that's quite good though. I, I didn't realize that because again, you know, it, it, like you were saying, the Black Lives Matter and George Floyd is quite a, a similar situation where it's like, you know, there's and and that because obviously the droids aren't the these droids aren't meant to be very clever. They aren't meant to know a million dialects and and languages. Yeah, they're just, they're just meant droids, to. Aren't they? they are just you know thick Bounces. thugs, and and the fact that they can miscommunicate and yeah, yeah exactly. And the the fact that they can misunderstand and, and misread and stuff. I also really like the um, the droid in uh, his mum's house. Um, I did I didn't get to mention it earlier, but that that line she says where um, um, I'm going I'm going way back in the episode now. But that line where he goes, you know, I can't leave. I'm going to be worried about you. And she goes, that's love. Yeah, come like that's love and it's kind of heartbreaking i think she's trying to make up for abusing harry potter all those years I think, with Andor. <laughs> she's trying to uh make up for her child abusing ways <laughs> by by adopting him and you know and finding yeah. a way but yeah and i i love the court i love the court the kind of kangaroo court they have as well uh, when Andor- this used to be a six-month sentence six years what <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is that is if you run at a bloody courthouse, Andy. Just oh, like, no. brilliant! <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very like we, we had like a very heavy political episode, didn't we? Hmm. And yet we do get a bit of dark levity at the end because he is literally just minding his own business. He's trying to he's, he's trying to get away from it, and the the, the shore troopers are chasing after this gang, and he's just like oh, fucking oh Jesus, can we keep the head down? Where are you going? Oh no! And you know exactly what's coming. You know it's just going to spiral and snowball for him. Uh, it's a it's a great it's a great ending to the episode, and the way that you the way that we we see the the K two S O droid, uh, the security droid, where it comes up mm. the steps, because I think my my missus did exactly the same thing. She went oh like you know that instant like recognition to uh, to K two S O. And then, because we know we know what's coming, don't we? Again, it's like the small things are predictable of where, what we're going to see in the future, but it's the immediacy of it. We see the shore troopers, obviously Scarif, and you know, um, but it's just, it's just a great little fun little ending. I love the shore trooper design. It's one of my favourite Disney Star Wars editions. I think is the shore trooper design. Other than Kylo Ren's lightsaber, it it's the shore trooper design. Such a great looking stormtrooper. So different, and yet they're still grumpy assholes. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm going to the shop. Are you? Well, you're under arrest. What? <laughs> Six years. Dink. There was 
There was another scene I really like in this episode. Again, going back in the episode a bit, but when when they're talking about basically Andor's dad, um, is it Clem? I think yeah. it was called Clem. Yeah, yeah that's why he that's called why himself. Yeah, Clem in the other episode. You saw the I got that. Yeah, I got I got that from from this. I was like, oh shit, that's why he calls himself Clem, and uh, and I love that bit where you know they're throwing rocks at the stormtroopers and stuff, and then you know he's he's saying, don't do it, don't do it. You're just going to cause problems. You're going to do this. And then and then they get hit with the rocks. They turn around and they just blast him. Or I think they hang him or something, don't they? They mm-hmm. talk about he, he was hanged, um, which is again, you know, there's there's some political allegories there. I think as well mm-hmm. um, with with his, you know, with being a black man and stuff. Um, but that that was real. I found that really intimidating. Now, I know we joke a lot about the stormtroopers, like oh, they can't hit anything and they they were can't they come in. Were they clones? They were wearing yeah, clone trooper armor. They were wearing clone armor, yeah. but just after um, Revenge of the Sith Order sixty six, they hadn't made stormtrooper armor. So some were clones. Yeah, it's, it's, some in, it's were, in that in between bit, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, some were. In, uh, I can't remember the term. It's uh, when they recruit when they they choose to be in the Empire. So some were basically uh, military service people, and others yeah. were clone troopers. So I, I don't know how many years it is. I think Bad Batch is going to go into that, but the armor slowly changes into yeah, yeah, what we know. Yeah, yeah. but they're not, they're not. Are they? Uh, is at this at that point are they kind of stealing kids like Finn to recruit them? Or? No, because no, the Empire guy, never did that. that they guy... recruited. Sorry, I didn't okay. mean to talk over you. Yeah, oh, okay. Only the first order stole kids without explanation or right. really delving into it. Yeah, yeah the Empire just fully recruited, so they got rid of the clones and fully recruited um, and tried to make it like a you know it's great serve your Empire, mm. you they, can do they... whatever you want. They choke worlds, and then the only real thing you can do, and they've mined a world raw, and there's no jobs for anyone, the only thing you can do is right. work for the Empire. And then a lot of people okay. think, well, how do I get away? You go, you know, they, they advertise yeah. it with propaganda. Join the Imperial Navy. Exactly, 100%. Right. Um, like, yeah. I, I, like in, the, in that sequel trilogy, it did come across like he was, like, Picked as a child. It, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the first did. order. First order. Oh, that, oh that's first order, right? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. it gets more extreme each time, yeah. basically. Se- yeah. Sequel trilogy problems of not really fully explaining the ins and outs of your recruitment process, but mm. instead of just having it plain and simple, you know, they right. throw in the but thing. I was stolen as a child, and then try and fix it in Rise of Skywalker, and don't really fix it at all. <laughs> To, exactly. be, to be fair, that was a bit like dark fate for me, where it was just like, well, you're still the Empire. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, like, just because just because you're another a different set of cyborgs doesn't yeah. mean you're not Terminators. You know what I mean? Still the same. Like it's yeah. like you know, it's like Coke, Pepsi Classic. Um, <laughs> you know all that stuff. New Pepsi, Pepsi Classic. Um, but yeah, um, I, I I thought that scene was really good because it 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 showed that stormtroopers again with these. Like Andy was saying, from the ground level, it's it's like when you play Star Wars Battlefront mm-hmm. to to reference a game. Obviously, you you do so much in that game, and you you successful to a point where you can recruit these hero characters, the the lightsaber wielders, or the Han Solos, the Landos. You know that's what this is, but you don't get the trump card. Mm-hmm. You just have to do it with the grunts. Yeah. You know the 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 lay that that opening kind of yeah you can choose a type of grunt but it's still a grunt and 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 that's what I quite like about the show like you guys were going on about as well but the fact that the the stormtroopers scared me that that synchronicity then where they do the turn halt turn and it's like oh fuck you know mm. it's really really terrible. Yeah, I think the really storm, stormtroopers in a new hope were apart from the the banging of the head when they mm. when they breached the the blockade runner. They kill everyone in that corridor. 
Absolutely. It's not Vader that kills them. It's the stormtroopers that kill all the rebels in the blockade runner. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they they were terrifying initially. It's only because it's only because in subsequent films that they didn't we didn't see that anybody really get killed by the stormtroopers. That the, the whole sort of thing they came in of clumsy and not be able to directly hit anything. But in, in a New Hope, we we see them kill people. You know, yeah. a lot of people. So yeah. I'm gl- I'm glad we're we're on on that that playing field where the stormtroopers carry weight because there's that there's that bit in this episode where Andor sees two stormtroopers in the distance and rather than sort of you know take them on he hides around the corner and he's like he's watching around the corner isn't he like oh shit and he waits for them to go past before he moves on and that's only two stormtroopers mm-hmm. so they yeah. carry weight and I, I like that they carry weight in this because it is the empire you know mm-hmm. one stormtrooper you know is is all stormtroopers you know yeah. you will you will be punished. Mm. <laughs> for any in, indiscretion it's and it's also i think in this show uh what unlike other shows is that it feels like if you get hit by a blaster you are quite likely going to die whereas in yeah. everything else it's like mm. oh they get hit by a blaster on the hand or on the leg or mm-hmm. you know it grazes their shoulder or oh it's, got a it's in the stomach it's in the stomach and you get some cybernetics there and you're fine yeah Don't worry whereas, about it because they've got money and, and resources and all these things. But when you're like a down and out rebel who's, you know, uh, on uh, this random planet that you've been on for months or years planning a heist living in the woods, you don't, you've got a bit of back to spray and that's about it. So yeah. if, if that even, um, but we're, we're getting near the end of time now. So um, let's wrap up. We'll get yourselves to say final statement, anything else you haven't mentioned, and then you can plug your stuff. I'll make sure I include links in the description to the wonderful holiday special episode yourselves did. Um, and then I'll also say to people, check out the Ewok movies as well. You don't have to watch the movies. I haven't. Oh. Uh, just, what, they, they did it for us. They suffered through I mean, to give us great I mean, content. they're on Disney Plus if you want to suffer. Into vintage and, Star Wars. Yeah, and holiday special is definitely, we watched it in 4K on YouTube, so. Nice. God, yeah. What a waste of my bandwidth that was. But it was great for us to listen to, so it's okay. Um, yeah, but yeah. I'll, I'll include links. Much, much obliged. Yeah. What about, what about our You're game? Suffering. I'm sure. I'm sure Mike appreciated our game. Yeah. Is it canon? Uh, <laughs> it was. I liked that. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I was answering along as well, and I was doing the dishes when I was listening to that. Um, but we've got. Um, yeah, final thoughts and things. Uh, obviously, I'll, I'll wrap up and things. But um, Andy, any final words you want to say, and uh, then plug your stuff. Um. Well, final thoughts. I mean, obviously, we're, we're what we're halfway through now. Halfway through, well, this, uh, just over the halfway point. Just over halfway through. I'm impressed. Um, I was very skeptical about the show, especially coming out of the back of Kenobi, which uh, I was very disappointed in. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very skeptical, and Kenobi did put even more pressure on that my skepticism. Um, and I am pleasantly surprised, um, and I'm pleased that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. The next episode come along um you know we've had three shows running concurrently you know alongside each other rings of power house of the dragon and andor and you know one of them was awful for me the other two have been you know really good in sort of delving into this political side one of them is doing the family politics really well it's andor that's doing sort of a wider scoping politics and I love it. I, I, re- I really love that we're really delving into, you know, the hardcore gritty politics, the desperation of people. It's it's what I what I hoped we would see. But then at the same time, I didn't really have any sort of expectations. So I've been fundamentally surprised with every single episode. 
And like Dan said, I can't really fathom where it's going to go, even though we know the full, the full end game. And I'm enjoying it even more with that in mind because I'm intrigued to see what the characters do next. And that's something that I haven't had um, really with anything Star Wars related uh, for years, if ever, to be fair. I've, I've, I've not really sort of, you know, thought about, oh, crap, I wonder what they're going to do next. Because mm. it's always always been there, hasn't it? So I'm excited. I'm, I'm really pleased with this show so far and I hope it sticks the landing going into season two and hope we get much more than just season two as well. Mm-hmm. Dan, let us know what you think. Um, as as we've said, I think we're all quite happy with the way the show's going. I think it's really strong. Um, I, I won't bash bash it over the head. I'm looking forward to maybe the next arc. We were talking about these arcs, and I think maybe that Disney has has listened to all these kind of one off episodes, these one off adventures. It's not necessarily for people. So I like that they're doing these three episode arcs. I think they really work, and I think they could incorporate those into their other series as well. I think that's a strong, bold move. And again, you can get the most out of a story as well with that. Um, Again, you know, one-off episode is fine every now and again, but I think this is really, really working for them. So if they keep this model in other shows, I think they're they're on to a winner. Um, I am kind of thinking it might be the next arc might be a kind of a prison break thing, maybe Mm. with Andor, potentially. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe he'll be pardoned by Moth- Mothma or somebody else. Who knows? But I I'm, I'm think that'll be our next kind of heisty type adventure. I think it's going to be a prison break episode. He gets a group together and he figures it out. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of maybe a if he's in like a you know you know like that that banged up abroad kind of show where it's like a really <laughs> a really hor- a really dirty horrible ill kept prison. I'm hoping for something <laughs> like that. So um, so yeah, that's that's my sort of prediction. But again, like like I said, I don't know. I, I, what Andy was saying was like the the little characters. I lo- I'm loving their story and their little arcs, and I'm loving the overarching polit- politics and the individual politics and what they mean for each other. And again, I can't wait to see. Uh, what's going to happen that that one security guard who kind of set off the whole thing i'm really interested in him i'm really fascinated in where he's going to go and what he's going to add yeah, to this he's story depressed as sin isn't he it's yeah cyril Khan. yeah oh he looked like a cyril didn't he he looked mm-hmm. like a cyril cyril what a horrible name um yes but <laughs> Like you, like Andy was saying, it's a it's a dichotomy. You know, he's almost like the opposite of Andor and what Andor's doing, but kind kind of similar trajectories as well. So I'm sure it'll all come out. But uh, I'm loving it. I want to see more. Um, bring it, bring it all on, bring it all on immediately. I <laughs> I need it in my veins, directly into my veins. Fantastic. Yeah, I agree with everything uh, you guys have said. It's it's a it's an unexpected home run this this show so far. And I'd say I'm I'm probably enjoying it more than any of the Disney Plus shows to be fair. I think I think Rebels and Clone Wars they're slightly different in pacing and how they feel in a lot of ways so they're kind of hard to compare. But Rebels is my all-time favorite Star Wars thing. I don't know if I've mentioned it. Um but uh with uh and or for me it's pretty much already surpassed mandalorian like for me as much as i love mandalorian if you take out i know this is you know if you take these parts out it's not as good obviously these parts will make it good but the ahsoka episode and the finale with luke if you take those two out i do still really enjoy the mandalorian i i liked it i thought series one was good 
I thought series two was better. It was a lot. It was a cool episode. So I was like, oh, cool. I'm looking forward to the next one-off episode. And then once other characters start coming into it, I was like, oh, are we going to get a two-parter, three-parter? With this, it's like, no, it's not episodic. Let's just go. Continuous story. It's 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 keeping you enthralled. That's what things like Game of Thrones and those sort of shows do well. By the end of the episode, if you if you're binging it, if you haven't, if the the series already come out, that's the kind of episode where it's like midnight and you're looking at the time and go, can I? Do I need sleep tomorrow? No, it's a Thursday tonight. Friday I can be tired. Let's make myself knackered just to get through another episode. And that's what this feels like. This is a kind of show that I think really benefits from a binge, um, even yeah. though I love. Uh, watching it weekly as and, well. Uh, speaking speaking as a binger, I agree. Fantastic. Cool. Well, let's quickly do our plugs and then we will go. So, um, Dan, do you want to start quick? Yes. So uh, we're currently in Shockphobia Fest over on Spider-Dan and the Secret Balls. Uh, so as of tomorrow, um, our next episode is out. So it's me, Tonya and Rhea. And we're talking about The Crow. And it just so happens to be... My hundred and fiftieth episode. Good. Boom, Good. boom, boom. So yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, it's it's gonna get you know. Rhea gets political. Tonya gets a bit saucy, and I get a bit oversharing. I think I do a bit of oversharing. Um, but we'll see. See, listen and find out what an interesting episode it will be. Um, but yes, lots of good stuff coming as well. Um, and speaking of World War II, as of next year, me and Andy are planning our World War II month. So mm. we're going to be looking at some stuff. And we've actually, I've decided to add some guests uh, to come on with us. But Andy will be on every episode, don't worry, and myself. Um, but we're going to have individual guests come on and and kind of see what they think of these weird, obscure uh, World War II films. So, mm. yeah, and and comics as well. So, yeah, but that's not for a while yet. But I just, I thought it was in the, because we were discussing that sort of thing. There's um, there's that. But, yeah, um, head over to spiderdownandsecretballs.com if you haven't already. It's a real hub of activity, lots of cool things there. Go have some fun, uh, listen, you know, review, comment, subscribe, like. Breathe. And... Uh, read you can do reading there as well put on some music you know a little, <laughs> little smooth jazz while you while you go through uh, my poorly constructed website uh, <laughs> uh, yes and there's all my collaborations with people such as mike and such as andy all listed there uh, if you if you listen to all my 150 first then you can move on to the collaborations do the other way around. Do the collaborations first. Um, me and Andy make it work, even though I've only been on one show. Uh, Andy's the, the, the true backbone of the secret balls. You're Spider-Dan, and he's the secret balls. That's, but it makes it sound like he's the badness. He's kind of the antithesis of the secret balls. He's so angry, isn't it? It's like, yeah. wh- whatever the opposite I, I raise is. The, I raise the film up. He just smashes it down. Yeah. No, Dan! No! It sucks! <laughs> Fuck you! Um, but yeah, Andy, please tell shit, people. Shit. <laughs> tell me where they can find you. Um, so... You can find me primarily on YouTube, uh, Angry Andy Reviews. I have recently uh, watched two terrible films, both of equal terribleness. So I've got a couple of reviews up for Halloween Ends and Grim Cutty, which is on Disney+. And I would not recommend anybody ever watch Grim Cutty. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to... It's awful. Just awful. But yeah, so Angry Andy Reviews on YouTube... Um, uh, mainly movie reviews and TV reactions at the moment. Um, stepping away from the collectible side of the minute while we're delving into this economic disaster, which we're not going to discuss because we're, we're only talking about Andor politics. Mm. Um, 
and I also primarily operate on Twitter as well. So Andy underscore review. Um, and there you go. You can find most of my other ramblings on there when I'm not posting ramblings on YouTube. But there you go. Simple as that. And uh, yes, I don't have Dan on as a guest because all he does is bring me down. <laughs> <laughs> We did the Matrix Reloaded. Uh, the reloaded. Oh, yeah, I was, I was, angry. I, I was angrier than you on that one. Fuck you me. were. You were. Well, I've not I, seen I, it. I, so surprisingly, though, well, yeah, stay away from it. I'm, yeah, the, the Matrix do just watch it. Watch they it. They kind of. I, I want to watch it, but they do just kind of get worse. I, I like Reloaded. I think it's got one of the coolest action scenes in yeah. cinema history in it, but the rest of the film is not really worth it, uh, especially no. at the end. And then, uh, yeah, the third film, Revolutions, well, just, was yeah, weak. Just to hammer home like The Matrix uh, Resurrections, Lawrence Fishburne um, made a comment the other day. went, um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But it wasn't great either. And it was like, oh, oh that's dear. that's pretty oh. brutal for Morpheus saying that about oh. your movie. Yeah. Um, but you can find me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. I post photos of the many comics I tackle on Styles Comics and Canon, occasional movie vague reviews to a very minor degree, like one sentence of my thoughts, uh, and then snippets of all my conversations on Genuine Chit Chat. Uh, and obviously, if you are listening to this show and you've not tuned in to Styles Comics and Canon, go and do that. You never have to read a star wars comic in your entire life you don't have to have seen all the star wars series you just have to have maybe seen the, all the movies that's about it if you are focusing on an era or a character or anything like that i've got you covered i've tackled every single canon marvel comic that exists at the moment apart from like a three month delay because i i can't literally review them the second they come out guys i'm sorry i don't have that kind <laughs> of power i don't i can't go through that um but no it's it's not a review show i go through the plot details of each of the comics so you don't have to pick up the comics if you don't want to but if you have it serves a refresher and along the way i give you bonus information about characters that reoccur fun trivia facts species and planets that reoccur all that sort of jazz so check that out and you can go over to youtube as well dot com slash genuine chit chat and there are video versions of many of the conversations of and or as well as many of the genuine chit chat conversations and everything's in playlists so you can just choose what you want to listen to on the wide catalog of stuff that i do but yes um, there's also Disney discussions me and Dan and Rhea and Megan did recently and also we're going to be recording a new one next week as well so that's all very exciting mm-hmm. and we have plans for the coming uh, weeks and we've got many plans for 2023 as well and there are going to be lots of more collaborations and stuff I still need to have Andy on Genuine Chit Chat but you know he's close so I'm like at the moment I'm like I can always ask Andy and so it's just kind of like yeah, when I need him I'll pull it just in ra- just around the corner just around the corner <laughs> also also if you're enjoying this go back and listen to our She-Hulk comics in motion podcast as well with me and Tonya um, if you want to hear our opinions and me talk about D-list Marvel villains. It was really fun. It's a really cool show. It's different to a lot of the other discussion shows. You had loads of different guests on, all who brought something different to the table. Absolutely fantastic. I love the She-Hulk discussion show and I'm sure you'll be doing more discussion things in Comics Emotion in the coming year just like I'm also planning on doing a Tales of the Jedi special episode uh, and a few other bits and pieces. So we shall see all about those things. Just follow us all on social media. Follow Comics Emotion P on social media uh, as well as obviously Spider Dan Angry Andy and myself as Genuine Chit Chat. But that is enough from ourselves. Thank you both for coming on the show. I've hugely appreciated it. Talking to you has been delightful and uh, please everyone let us know what you thought of Andor. You can contact us on social media and whatnot and next week we've got jack on the show uh, and then i think you two may or may not be back um i can't remember what guests he has yeah. so 
I, I believe I, I'm I'm not not next week, but maybe the week after. There you go. I can't remember exactly, and it's all a bit static at times because things I've come up. I've got it written down. You, somewhere. You'll see them both again at some point soon. You know, we will figure yes. out the week as they come, but they'll pop up again on this discussion show. And obviously, I'll be back in two weeks' time. Uh, so we bid you all adieu, and as always, may the force be with you. I'll make you all co-hosts. Then you can do whatever you want. Then you could end the whole meeting. Oh, and then the end of everything. I've been co-hosting enough podcasts recently. Fuck that. <laughs> we are with you, the She-Hulk one, which yeah, is it, now a, an end, and I'm sure you're quite... Like, whenever I do these... In, in some ways. It's like, yeah. it's part of it is, oh, I really like talking to that person mm. or these people and talking about this every week, and it was nice and regular. And then other mm. times, it's like, oh, I've got to do this thing. And when you're doing it, it's amazing. But when mm. you're not doing it, it's like, this is taking up yeah. so much of my time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, yeah, yeah. you get that a lot with your YouTube because you do a lot of uh, episodic uh, reviews for things as well. And then we're doing obviously the comics emotion yeah. stuff <clears throat> as well. It's all good fun. It's, it's been difficult though, like because this this week this weekend I've had like four things to review. Um, Rings of Power, and when you hate three out of four of the things you've watched and you need to review, <laughs> it's really difficult. Like it's really difficult because right. Halloween ends, Grim Cutty, which is the worst film I've ever seen. Wow. And um that's, that's and finally House of Dragon. But which Christ, is yeah, three out of the four things I'm just like, I'm angry. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not on brand for you. That's not on who, brand for you at all. Who are you? <laughs> angry and even there they're still I need levity. <laughs> well, you've got well, House of Dragon is to be fair, so good. It doesn't maybe make up for three bad shows, but it makes up for some yeah. of them one and a half maybe um but we are not here to talk about those things as much as i would love to um, absolutely we are here to do episode seven of and or <clears throat> the announcement 